You're listening to the Leaders of Consulting podcast, a show that brings you interviews and expertise with today's leading consultants. This show is brought to you by Spotlight Podcasting, an agency that helps B2B professional service firms launch and produce podcasts, providing support for both strategy and execution. If you want to find out more, you can head on over to spotlightpodcasting.com. So welcome back to Leaders Consulting, the show that brings you interviews with experts in the trenches at the forefront of consulting, sharing their own perspectives, tips and resources they picked up along the way for your benefit. I'm your host, Jonathan Bailey-Strong, and today I'm joined by Lauren Goldstein. Sorry, I'm going to say that again. Lauren Goldstein. Did I pronounce that correctly this time? Goldstein, sorry, yes, who is the founder and CEO of Golden Key Partnership. Uh, She is commonly referred to as clients as the business doctor. So she helps diagnose the real root cause of team and operational challenges to bring businesses back to a healthy flow and profitability, thereby avoiding earner burnout as they scale. Mm -hmm. So Lauren, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. And uh, I'd love it if you could just uh, kick off uh, with some actionable advice here. Uh, So I'd love it if you could share uh, a unique approach, uh, tool or or strategy that you think other consultants should probably know about. Uh, Maybe they don't yet. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I think I was thinking about this question for a while. And I think the thing that has helped me the most in my business is twofold. The first is really understanding my unique entrepreneurial style and how, how it's different for everyone. Cause I think when I've had my business now for 11 years and in the beginning, there was a lot of failing forward because I was trying to create a business based on like this person or this person who was in the space. But at the end of the day, they had a different personality. So I was trying to build a business for a personality that didn't fit mine and so when I actually, the tool that we use with our clients, um, which is a bit of a misnomer, it's called Wealth Dynamics. I think they should rename it to Entrepreneur Dynamics because it's it's really helping you uncover your unique CEO profile that's going to give you the fastest, most simple way to flow in your business and your life and like who you are so you can tap into your strengths and, and outsource your weaknesses. And so when you're able to really understand the entrepreneur you are and how you build business and how you interact with clients and build your business from that standpoint, it's so freeing. Like when I discover that, and actually when I take my clients through it, it just, it makes things so much more simple and easy because you're, you just, you have this permission to be yourself and build that unique business And in that same vein, when you understand that, you can build the best team around you. You can create that leverage, whether it's with time, with operations, with team, and you can plug into the flow of other businesses who complement you. So you're actually working smarter, not harder. And so I know that might seem really basic or easy, but that was probably the number one strategy. If even if you're starting out or you've been in business for, you know, however long, really understanding like who you are as an entrepreneur and your strengths and just doubling down on those, I think is, is the best advice I can give any consultant. Yeah. Well, what, so wealth dynamics, that's one I haven't heard of so far. Is it some, is it, does it bear any resemblance to other tests like the Gallup strength finder uh, or other tests like that? 
A little bit. So the way, the reason I love it, because I've, d- mm. I've done all of them. I've all done Colby. Yeah. I've done Strength Finders, Disc, yeah. all the thing, all the things. Um, also, because I'm a business strategist, I love to know all the things. But this one, I feel like it merges East and West. Like it, like it, it was based on the I Ching, which is a Eastern principle about flow. And, and then it also takes the components of Strength Finder and Disc and personality. And it, and it just, it presented it in a way that was so simple to understand and gives like everyone a really common language, just like all, all the other tests and like the way that it's structured with the energies of business and um, professional, it actually makes it a really easy equation to see, like, if you have a lean team who you need based on energies. And so it takes energies, it takes strengths, it takes all the things and really makes them a very complimentary picture that's so so easy to implement yeah excellent wow okay so that's that's a good one to to check out um i'm curious you know as being someone who who tends to uh you know do their research and i noticed on your on your website you've got a uh, a list of uh recommended books and there's some real classics there but i'm curious like are there any of those um mostly business related right um but are there any of those that stand out to you that you think have had, uh, you know, one of the biggest, you know, the one that's had the, the biggest impact on you or the first that comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I love, I love reading books. I actually just started an entrepreneur book club. And, uh, so the one that I read actually most recently that has had the biggest effect on me is actually called ego is the enemy by Ryan holiday. I wouldn't say it was anything new, but the way that he organized the ideas about ego and, and how, a lot of times, especially as entrepreneurs, like our ego gets in the way in a lot of different ways, whether it's protecting us from taking risks because our ego just wants to keep us alive or, you know, keeping things from us because our ego is getting in the way and stopping that like connection with clients or other people. And so it was really a very impactful and thought provoking book. And then actually for the book club that I started, you know, we came and we shared like everyone shared, I think at least four books that they were like, these are the best books, everything from like atomic habits to like who and all the things. But what was really interesting is we settled in this book, um, which you guys can't see the video, but it's called the art of asking. And it's, um, by this lady named Amanda Palmer. I've not finished it. I'm a maybe like a quarter of the way through, but the subtitle is how I learned to stop worrying and let people help. And it's a really like powerful book about how so many of us go through life afraid to ask for help, whether it's in our business, our personal life. And um, she shares her story about um, like, she, she used to be a street performer. Like she was one of those people that stood on a box and like was dressed as a bride and gave out flowers, but didn't say anything. And like, I, I mean, like I said, I'm only a quarter of the way through, but it's had such a profound impact on on understanding how, like when we don't ask, like how we rob the people that we're in life with from actually being able to connect with us and support us. And so it's been, it's been a really interesting read and I would highly, highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Asking for, for help is a, is a natural skill uh, that can be learned. Mm -hmm. Yep. A muscle, muscle you got to build. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and speaking of, uh, you know, people who maybe should 
ask for help a little bit more. Obviously, you know, in your line of work, you deal with people that are sometimes suffering some signs of burnout. What are what are some classic signs that you see of uh, like classic indicators uh, that you know may, maybe it's at the back of someone's mind, like oh, you know, this was bothering me, or um, I, I'm curious because, and also thinking from a you know personal story, I know someone, a friend of mine who I had no idea that he was he was actually uh, completely burnt out. And it, it took someone else to really actually tell him that he was suffering classic signs of, of burnout. But what, what are some early signs that, that you see or, or that you pick up on? Yeah. Uh, so for entrepreneurs, we're really good at hiding it and pretending that everything's fine. So the things that present themselves for me, like when somebody's coming to me, they're feeling like their business is eating them alive. They don't have a lot of time or they feel like their team just is, is like sucking their time. And they're like, I have this team. I hired this team, but I'm actually like working more because now I have to manage the team or they're suddenly feeling very disengaged from their business. Or my favorite is they're having a shiny, a shiny object moment where they're like, Oh, if I just do this one thing, it's going to fix everything. And, you know, when you start to, when, when a client comes to me and they're like, I'm not sleeping well, I'm just constantly worried about my business and our bottom line and my team and, and like the things that I feel like are out of my control that I just don't even know where to move forward. And they're, they're stuck in what I lovingly refer to the how hellhole. They're like, how do I grow my business? How do I grow my team? How do I fix the operations so we can deliver a better product and have a bigger impact? Like, how do I be a better wife, mother, father, whatever? How do I have work-life balance? And they're just like stuck in that squirrel or eddy moment of like, something's got to change. I don't know what it is, but something has got to change. Those are like some classic moments where I get to come in and I love when I do get to come in in those moments because it's it's like that critical moment before you accidentally start burning down your business or your life or whatever to actually like turn that the plane around so to speak. Yeah. And and there's something that I've I've heard you mention as well that um you know we all, we all know like sort of the return on investment is important in business but there's also the the equation of ROTI or return on time invested. Um, Can you explain like why, why that's quite important not to just think about ROI, but actually ROTI. What do you mean by that? Yes, that is my favorite metric to measure. (laughs) (laughs) So I I mean, ROI is important because, you know, you want to get back the money you've invested, but time is the the resource that we literally can never get back because all of us have this little invisible clock above our head that's counting down to the day that we die. <laughs> like not to be morbid, but like we don't know when that day is coming. And so when somebody is investing time, that's the most valuable resource. And so what I love to do with my clients and what I I really strive for is helping you get your time back and make time work for you instead of you working for time. Because if you can see how at this moment, like in this moment where you're stressed out or burned out or struggling with how to like really scale your team or build that foundation and team and operations to scale your business. And then you fast forward 
and suddenly you have more freedom and flow and profitability and more time, like that gap can seem really big, but it's not actually that big. It's like these little, little tiny tweaks that are going to allow you to make the most of your time so that when you look back, you can say, oh my gosh, I was able to actually get my time back so that I could make a bigger impact or be more present with my family or help more clients instead of just being in the doldrums of, I get up, I go to work, I go to sleep, and then I get up and I go to work and I go to sleep. And you're just like stuck in the process of doing instead of the process of being able to look at time and collapse time instead of being a slave to time. Did yeah. that make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm curious, like what, what, what are some good ways of, of tackling that? I mean, I hear of people doing sort of time audits, right. Of basically tracking their time for maybe, you know, a week or two and then identifying you know, where all that time is spent over that time. Um, not necessarily something you have to do forever, but just during a, you know, a certain amount of time. So you can just be more self-aware around that. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have, we have a tool that we use with our clients and um, that is that. And I, I think when you have the awareness of where your time is, not only from a physical time, but like, I see so much time wasted when you're like stressed out or worrying about something that it's like literally sucking the time out of your brain. Cause you're just like constantly worried about this one thing. And sometimes you just need to put it on paper and like our time audits a little bit different than other ones you've seen, because one of the questions we ask is like, how does this make you feel? And was this only something you could do? And like, how much in flow were you? So like those three components of, you know, is it something that truthfully you should be doing? Yes or no. Is it making you feel happy, fulfilled, stressed, frustrated? Like what's the emotion that's happening? And then like, how is that impacting the flow of your day from a time fulfillment, however you measure flow. And that way you can just get really crystal clear on where your time's actually going because there's, there's things that when you like time's going to, to happen anyway, like the weeks are going to pass, the days are going to pass anyway, but how you spend those, those days, weeks, months is critical. And if you're doing things that are draining your energy, draining your time, and actually aren't getting you closer to your, your vision for your business and for your life, then you're just, you're going to end up in this status quo. And you're like, how did I get here? And the, and the way you got there is that you just weren't being intentional with your time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The importance of being intentional there. Yeah. I can, that makes sense. And, and I, I'm curious, like, as you see, you know, obviously you deal with business owners who are, who are, you know, managing significant, you know, companies sometimes in, in the seven figures in terms of revenue. Um, do you see other like very common roadblocks from them taking it to, you know, eight figures and beyond? Um, I've, I've heard stories of, of people who, for whatever reason, they decided, you know what, I enjoyed what it took to get us to seven figures. I don't think I'm going to enjoy taking us to eight figures. I'm going to sell this baby off. Uh, but then looking back and regretting it, and maybe they were just making excuses. So I'm just curious, yeah. like from from you delving into the psychology of of these kind of business owners, uh, what 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 are you seeing? Like what 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 do you see people struggle with or wrestle with? 
Yeah. So I, I think the biggest thing that I see people wrestle with is what I call the itty bitty shitty committee, <laughs> which is like that little voice between your ears. That's like, you can't do this. Who do you think you are to run an eight figure business? Or, oh my God, it was so much work to get to seven. It's going to be twice as much work to get to eight. And like, who are you to do this? And like, there's a lot of, a lot of really interesting stories that go on in between their ears. And then the other part of that is I see a really big gap between a business operator and a business owner. And that, and that gap is because most business owners like got started their business to solve a problem. They saw a gap in the, in the, you know, in wherever they, whatever industry they're in and said, I'm going to be the one to solve that. So they're a practitioner, but then to like build past seven figures, you have to become a leader and not everybody wants to be a leader. And sometimes being CEO is not the right place for you to be. You still need to just deliver your magic and have somebody else lead the company, but giving up control over your baby or understanding that it's going to take you being a different type of business owner to lead a team, to lead a company, to hold the vision, to steer the ship. Um, like sometimes that's the gap that people can't get over because they don't know, like nobody's taught them how to be a leader. You know, they just, they saw a gap, they filled the gap with their expertise, but now they're like, I don't, I don't know how to be a leader. I don't know how to find and build and cultivate a team that's like really cohesive and moving everything forward and symbiotic, you know, I'm just like, that sounds really hard and I don't know what that's going to look like. And there's a certain amount of risk and humility that comes with it, that if you're not willing to be living in the gap of that's between like where you are and your vision, that wobbly space and that gap, that's, that's what's going to keep you stuck and not scaling up your business, not having the bigger impact. Cause it's, if you want to have the more impactful team and business, like you have to be comfortable in the gap. And there are, there are certain entrepreneurs that I will tell you right now, self-sabotage and stay at that. That's actually a really good book. I didn't mention, but the big leap, if you've not read the big leap, go read that book because there's, there's a ceiling that, that entrepreneurs inadvertently put on themselves that once they get close to it, they like, come back down and, and like, you have to be willing to risk the uncomfortableness to bump through that ceiling. So your ceiling can become your new floor. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, alluding to like the importance of, of building a team and uh, obviously that the team is, is a really important part of, of growing business. Uh, that one of the things that I remember you saying to me once was, uh, hiring for a players over, uh, worker bees. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. it's interesting ex- expression. So I'd love for you to kind of explain that one a little further. And and um, I'm curious, like, are there any times when work hiring worker bees makes more sense? Or I mean, what what's your what's your feelings about that? I love that that has stuck with you because that was yeah. years ago that I shared yeah. that. Um, it's, it's interesting because I think it's one of like, when you understand this perspective shift around team, it will change your business. So, um, for those that are not familiar with what a, a player versus a worker bee is a player is somebody who is an expert at their specific craft who 
like their innate talents make them perfect for the position and role that they have. And they think from a much bigger picture, you know, 30,000 foot view, this is where we're going. I know I can make it happen. And they actually make the entrepreneur slash business owners life so much easier because essentially when you have the clarity of the vision and the goals and what you need them to provide, and we do that in our, our role scorecards, um, when you understand the mission and how that position fits in and you plug a player in, they're going to, to take the ball and run with it. Whereas a worker bee, because they don't think in that strategic big picture, they're very much task oriented, which is not to say that that players can't do tasks, but they're they're bigger picture. Whereas worker bees don't really work unless you give them things to do. Um, I, I will never forget. I came in um, as interim COO to a com- to a financial advising company, <laughs> and um, they were having some very serious team breakdowns. So I, I sat down and, and interviewed. Um, the team. And I asked uh, one of the team members, he said, well, you know, when so-and-so hasn't, like when you've run out of things that so-and-so has given you, what do you do with your time? And she, bless her heart, told me the exact truth and said, I don't know, I get on and scroll Facebook, or I might like go like finish some of like this class that I'm taking on the side. And like, literally you could not describe a worker be more perfectly in that moment is because they're not thinking about the big picture and the goals of the business. They're just thinking about their to-do list. And there's absolutely a place for worker bees in a business, but they, but there's no place for them on a lean team. So what I mean by that is if it's the business owner and like a few other people, like I would say like less than 10, you shouldn't, you should have maybe one worker bee and the only worker bee is managed by another, by a player under you. But if you are managing a worker bee, it's going to pull you out of where you should be focusing, which is holding the vision, moving the team forward, doing the, the two, maybe three things that you're very good at. And it's just going to, it's going to be this time suck where you feel like all you're doing is managing someone or putting out fires. Or you're like, why can't they read my mind? Like, I just need you to do this thing. Like if you ever find yourself saying to one of your employees, why can't you just do the thing? It's because you're working with a worker bee and they don't know how to actually do the thing unless you outline every single step. And so worker bees are great if there's a process that you just need them to go through the process over and over and over again, because they don't really like variety and they like the confines of what's comfortable. But if you need somebody to actually move your business forward and carry that vision and, and like make a difference, a worker bee is not, is not the place to be. And what's great about players is a lot of times when I see business owners hesitate with hiring it's because they're like, I don't know how to hire, let's say a marketing person or um, an accountant or a developer because I'm not a marketing person and an accountant or a developer. And so if you are trying to hire something outside your skill set, that's why it's even more important to have a player because they're going to actually <laughs> tell you how to do it. You know, when when I go back to wealth dynamics, the equation that we use is you don't need to know the how, you need to know the what, by when, 
so that the who, the person shows up to, to tell you the how. And that's what a, that's what a player will do is they know exactly how to get you where you want to go because that is their five acres that they are super, super dialed into and an expert in. I'm, I'm curious, do you, though, do you still, is there, an, is there any way that you can cultivate that m- mindset though? Uh, is there any way you can take maybe a team member who's a little bit more do things by the book and then once that, their job's done, is there any way that you can cultivate more of a mind of, you know, having been proactive or is it always a uphill, an uphill battle struggle? So, <laughs> you know, the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink. It's a little bit true with worker bees, like they have to want it. And like, it's, it's not, it's not that players are born or, you know, that they like, you just pop out a player, you pop out a worker bee. It's, it's, it's just, they've learned the skills or they're, they're willing to think differently to get to a point. So yes, they can be made, but there has to be like some internal North star that makes them want to think that way. And I think there's a far, far less likely chance that you're going to convert a worker bee to a player. Um, and in the same vein, if you treat a player like a worker bee, they will leave, they won't stay, they won't perform. Um, but like, if you're, if you find yourself micromanaging your team, it's generally because you have a whole bunch of workers or you have, a a difficulty giving up control. And to be honest, like I, I would recommend that you not try and cultivate players from worker bees. Like if they want to, they will ask. So that's another reason why I'm not a big proponent of promoting from within just based on time, because there's, there's basically three questions you can ask to determine if somebody is, is going to be a leader and if they answer no to any of those points, promoting them will actually do more harm than good. Mm. Interesting. That's That goes a little bit counter to a lot of advice. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, you should always hire from within if you can, um, because it's difficult to really tell if someone is going to do a great job when you bring them in mm-hmm. without having seen their work first. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a difference between cultivating within and promoting from within just because you have an open spot. Um, so part of like the pro the process that we go through with our clients is one of the questions on your scorecard is where do you see yourself in a year? Like if you look at the structure of the business, like where do you ideally want to be in a year? And so there's a difference between somebody saying, I want to go here and supporting them with that versus you looking at your team and saying, I want to pull this person up when they haven't raised their hand. And if you are struggling with not knowing if people are going to fit in your business, chances are it's it's starting with the job posting um, because a lot of job posts are going to attract worker bees because you write them like worker bees. <laughs> like you need to do this and this and this and this and this. That's going to attract the wrong person. Whereas we we really help you understand how to write a job posting that's going to attract a player and somebody that's going to move your business forward. So if you're finding that like you're you're worried about the people you're bringing in, it's because it's starting with 
a lack of clarity from the get-go. And so when you have that clarity, like we hire, like, I'm not going to say hundred percent because no one's perfect, but like 98, 99% right on every single time. Because when you have that clarity and you know how they fit in your, in your company and what their mission is for the role and how it all fits together, you can't miss. Yeah. So, so Lauren, can you tell people, uh, you know, if they find themselves in the position, if they're, you know, if they, if they know of someone who's, you know, lacking a little bit of clarity and, and they're like, you know, Hey, Lauren sounds like the right person to talk to you. Um, is there, is there a good, uh, first step they can take to, um, to, uh, speaking with you or, or, or. Yeah. 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 The first step I would say is, you know, you can go to our website, goldenkeypartnership.com and book, book a call with me. Um, I don't, <laughs> I do all my calls. So you get my, my gorgeous brain from the get-go. Um, and yeah, I mean the first step truthfully, and this is the first step I do with all my clients, you know, if, if you're lacking that clarity or you're really just stuck in the how hell hole is, is doing what we call a diagnostic deep dive. And that's where we look holistically at your business and see where the concentrated risks are, where the gaps are, what the biggest priorities are and how to move forward to create the biggest ripple effect. Cause a lot of times when I see business owners struggling with operations or team or, or getting their business past 1 million, um, cause most of my clients are the million plus, um, when they're struggling, it's because they're working on things that they, that are symptoms rather than the root cause. So like, there's a reason why my clients call me the business doctor <laughs> and actually one of them I I'm I'm just I was dying when he told me this. He's like, "You know what you are? You're like the MRI that you the, like you scan my business and you were like, here's the here's the tumor in the business and here's where we need to do surgery," which was totally graphic but also very accurate. Um because if you're if you're just treating the symptoms and like you're like, "Hey, our revenue's down or we're having attrition in our team or there's a breakdown in delivery," chances are that's not actually the problem. There's something underneath that's that's broken or could be tweaked in just like a few simple ways. Sometimes it's not simple, but most of the time it's just a a two millimeter tweak. Um, And then when you have that and you fix that root thing, then it actually has a positive ripple effect where all the other things you were trying to treat and fix, fix themselves, which is really fun. Yeah. I love that. Um, A little bit more of a mouthful, the MRA. I think I'll stick with the, with the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do the business doctor. It was very funny though. Yeah. It was very funny and very graphic, but very accurate. Very accurate. <laughs> great. Fantastic. Okay, Lauren. Well, this has been great. Um, as we wrap up here, do you want to tell people um, where else they can uh, connect with you online? Where's the best place to, uh, to, you know, reach out to you? Yeah. So the best place is I'm on LinkedIn and um, our website, goldenkeypartnership.com. We've got great resources on there. And of course, if you feel compelled to book a call with me and just and figure out, you know, if there's if there's parts of your business that you can improve or how to do that, I would love Fantastic. to connect. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on the show, Lauren. It's been a, been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing all your, your great insight today. Thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you having me and can't wait to, to connect. Awesome.
Hey, Jonathan Bailey Strong here, host of the show. Thanks for tuning in. And if you want to get in touch, feel free to hit me up on social media. If you just search for my username, John B. Strong on Twitter, and actually you can search for the same thing on LinkedIn, uh, you'll find my profile there as well. I'd love to connect and hear your feedback.